Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from shop.net. What we'll keep after COVID, part four. I always say you learn a lot from Twitter. In fact, I don't know. uh, Well, I know uh, it was suggested in the past uh, by those behind Cusson that using Twitter uh, could be uh, taken as part of your CPD. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I learn a lot from Twitter. And um, since in between uh, recording recording parts three and four, there is a really good tweet uh, from Colm O'Connor, who's the uh, principal of Cork Educate Together Secondary School. And it really got me thinking um, about tokenism and all that kind of stuff because I, I knew when I saw this picture, it really it kind of annoyed me, but I didn't quite know why. And well, I mean, I kind of did know why, but I, 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 do you know what? I couldn't put it as eloquently as Colm did. And it was Norma Foley um, tweeting um, a picture of the Department of Education um, and flying the pride flag outside uh, the building and uh, her uh, and her or whoever writes her tweet saying great to have the pride flag flying this week at the department respect and dignity for all in our schools and society now the reason i got kind of i was annoyed about it is uh, is because she i know she doesn't i know that's not her 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 it's, it's not what she believes you know and you know and uh, you know, I, I, I certainly don't think she believes it. I mean, it, it, you know, to, certainly from her past before she became a TD, um, she, she certainly um, wouldn't have voted in favour of um, the marriage equality referendum if the clues, if I put the clues correctly together. But I mean, that aside, whether she believes it or not, the Department of Education doesn't stand for pride values. The idea of pride and celebrating pride is all well and good. And I'm not, and you know, I... I absolutely think we should celebrate pride, but there's also a message when it comes to celebrating pride. Pride isn't just a disco or a or a, a march or a parade or a you know a happy time. It's there to um it's there to make a point, a very valid uh, point. And Ireland, despite the fact that we are the, we were the first country in the world uh, by public vo- uh, by public vote to m- vote in marriage equality, we are still we still do not treat. Uh, our LGBT community uh, with equality, proper equality, especially in schools. And I mean, what Colm said was, you know, it's all well and good celebrating pride. Celebrating pride would mean challenging the new RSC programme Flourish, which basically is anti-LGBT, sin by omission, as I call it, um, to making all denominational schools safe for teachers uh, and principals, which it doesn't. Only 18% of LGBT plus uh, teachers are out. Um, and uh, he said also delivering secular RSE, which, which would mean inclusive inclusion of um, the LGBT community, which it doesn't. It is left out. It is omitted. Um, and then he says, otherwise, tweets like this have no credibility. It's pinkwashing the most religious primary education system in the EU. And he's absolutely right. That last sentence really jumped out. As I said, Twitter is a great place for learning things. And um, and that's where we uh, continue uh, part four of what we're going to keep after COVID-19. Uh, as I go through the tweets that people have sent me about the things they want to keep once this pandemic is over and things they'll never want to see again.
Hello, hello, you are welcome to part four of If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon here and we are in part four of our review of 2020-2021. These are short half hour episodes where I go through things that you would like to uh, keep after COVID and things you'd like to bin after COVID. Uh, parts one, two, and three have already been recorded and are on your favorite podcasting tool. Um, I've gone through about, I suppose, between about 12 uh, things that I've been uh, tweeted. There's still a load more to go. And I suppose I, I, I don't know if these are any good to you uh, in terms of a review of 2020-21. But um, what I'm trying to do is sort of look at it from my point of view, which is your I wouldn't say your average principal, but a principal uh, who has to, who's basically gone through this uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, with the logistics of COVID-19 and everything else and how it's affected me. I also throw in the odd uh, little story, depending on uh, if it's of use to anyone. So I'm going to go start straight away, really, into the next um, bit of uh, what you um, sent me on Twitter as things you'd like to keep and things you'd like to bin. And one of them was 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 an interesting one. Again, very fairly uh, split down the middle. The idea of having no school bags in school. Now, I am a parent as well as a principal. And I must say, I was pretty delighted uh, as a parent of the no school bags uh, thing. Um, because it was one less thing to do in the morning. It's one less thing to have rotten pieces of fruit fermenting at the bottom uh, and the smell and so on and uh, one less thing to carry uh, in the morning and all that sort of stuff and ultimately um, my son didn't really need the school bag because the only reason really to have a school bag is as if you're getting homework and I don't agree with homework so I was delighted uh, with the fact there was no school bags coming to and from uh, school. He, I suppose an advantage of my school is all the children get uh, school lunches so he doesn't have to bring anything like that in. The only thing he needed to bring every day was a water bottle which uh, which he did on all the occasions that I remembered to remind him to get his water bottle. Um, but some uh, teachers on uh, Twitter were couldn't wait for the school bag to come back at the convenience of it and all that sort of stuff. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think it's a deal breaker for me with COVID-19 and it's kind of a pretty, you know, not a big thing to start the episode off with, but it was the next thing on my list. I mean, if somebody said to me that uh, I could only choose one thing on this list um, to bin and um, I don't think it would be no school bags for me. I wouldn't fall out with anyone over uh, the school bag rule. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, 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 we haven't really made any decisions on it in my school really as we come to the end of the year. Um, I think we probably will allow them back. I suppose we'll be allowing pencil cases back in so they have to be brought in in something. Um, I, I'm not sure how particularly popular it was or unpopular. I don't think, I think people just kind of thought, look, it's one less thing to bring in. It's one less piece of the risk jigsaw. Um, so ultimately, I think it's one I think we're probably going to be safe to go without. So that's a nice short one to start off with. Gosh, I might get through a few of them here. Um, the next thing here was bubbles for SET and EAL. So basically, um, I, I've given, let's say we have to give permission to use the word bubble um, after 2021. And the idea that you weren't allowed, uh, SET teachers and EAL teachers weren't allowed to mix in different bubbles was kind of the thing uh, during the pandemic. And we've kind of realised at this stage that it probably doesn't matter anymore, given that almost every teacher in the country is going to be vaccinated by September. And the only reason for not mixing the bubbles 
was more so uh, to do with the safety of the staff because they, if they were mixing in classrooms or there were cases, it might knock the teachers out rather than the children out. Um, if uh, people are vaccinated, they're unlikely to be transmitting apparently. So ultimately, I think we can get rid of that inflexibility where uh, teachers of SET and EAL weren't allowed to move, particularly EAL, considering there are so few EAL teachers in schools. Uh, when I started teaching, um, it, you for every uh, 12 children uh, with EAL or English as an additional language, there would be a teacher. Um, nowadays, uh, it's it's well, it certainly isn't that. Uh, I have one EAL teacher for 114 uh, pupils uh, with uh, EAL needs. And no matter how big I've grown, and this is again going back to my developing schools um, uh, podcast episode, I didn't mention this, but it's amazing that when we started off, we had an EAL teacher for 25 children. We have 114 um, children now with EAL needs and one teacher, and we have to appeal every year to get them. It, if we had have opened, if we had been the size we are when they stopped this, uh, when they put this moratorium, let's say, on EAL teachers, I'd probably have three or four EAL teachers and I would have kept them. So this is, again, being a developing school can be a right pain in the neck. Um, but anyway, um, bubbles uh, for where, where teachers have to stay within class groupings, is what I would say would be a welcome thing to bin, uh, particularly if we're all vaccinated. Now, I, I'm not sure if we'll all be vaccinated, but as soon as we are, it's definitely something I think we should be able to bring back. Risk, uh, the risk would be very low. Let's look at the next thing. So we're really uh, flying through the first two here. And I'm looking at the lack of social activities next. This is something else that people brought up that they really missed. The staff outings, the kids uh, outings, the school tours, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I mean, we've had two years of no school tours. We've had um, two years of no school staff outings, really, a year and a half at least. There was, uh, it was, um, maybe there was a, a, a Christmas night out for staff. I'm not sure. But um, in 2019 but uh, there hasn't been a staff night out for quite some time and um, I suppose as the end of the year comes there may be a couple of uh, smaller outings out there but it is these are the kind of things that bring staff together um, you know the, the the Christmas parties the uh, the nights out uh, some schools like our own go on a mystery tour somewhere in Europe every uh, for the last couple of years and you know it's really really we really miss that I mean it's been that they're, they're really really great fun so I mean as soon as pandemic's over I don't I don't think anyone's anyone thought oh thank goodness there's no more staff nights out um, and if they were those type of people they were the type of people that weren't going on them anyway and um, so I, I mean I must say I miss them and uh, I can't wait for them to come back uh, in terms of the kids outings that's uh, that's the school tours last year obviously they were, they were a complete write-off this year there was a bit of a softening uh, the department of education said you like avoid going on buses where possible um, and try and stay locally and you know and all that kind of stuff in effect really i mean the real at that at this point with so few people vaccinated uh, so few teachers vaccinated it was too risky to throw everyone on a bus now i know some people did it and i, I suppose there hasn't been any kind of falling out over it uh, i mean not falling out there hasn't been any cases maybe we don't know really i mean it's very hard to know um what kind of cases are, are, are coming into schools and from schools at the moment because you know, with so few deaths and so few hospitalizations, almost like people have almost forgotten about uh, schools again. You don't hear about schools much in the news. Um, but, you know, most schools didn't have school tours. And I think most people miss them. Um, they're a really great day. 
uh, for the children and the teachers enjoyed them as well. Just a different experience for everyone, particularly working in certain schools like a Dash school like ourselves, bringing children to places they would might not necessarily ever go to. And um, I was actually looking at uh, our at our graduate during our graduation for six class. Uh, I was looking at their memory wall, memory wall and was sort of their favourite memories of, of their time. And I'd say about 50% of the class uh, put down Tato Park as their best memory of primary school. And that didn't even happen in primary school. It was a trip. It was their school tour. Uh, and that was their last school tour because they didn't get a tour the year after or the year after that. So their last school tour was uh, in Tato Park and that is their happiest memory of primary school. I think, um, I don't think it would be controversial to say um, bringing back social outings uh, and the school tours is something that definitely needs to come back uh, once this pandemic is over. Now let's move on to so, to something else completely different. Croke Park hours. Now, did you do all your Croke Park hours this year? I'd say you did now. I'd say we all did our Croke Park hours uh, because to be honest, and did everybody notice the difference uh, of the way we had to do our Croke Park hours? And wasn't the, wasn't the year a lot nicer without the pressure of having to force yourself to, to have these meetings that meant nothing uh, every every week and, and this extra hour every week? Wasn't it nice to have the flexibility to not have be there, not all have to do our Croke Park hours at the same time? And, or, you know, a bit of all the flexibility around it that just wasn't necessary. To be honest with you, Croke Park hours were, I mean, again, many of you listening to this may may, ne- may never know a time without Croke Park hours, but Croke Park hours, just for those of you who don't know, came uh, are, are one of the hangovers um, of the same hangover as to why we don't have pay equality uh, for uh, lower paid teachers. When um, we had uh, the pay deal back in 2011, um, not only did we screw over our, our younger colleagues and uh, face them with a decade of pay inequality, we also agreed to do an extra one hour per week of extra work for free called Croke Park Hours. Now, people at the time were incredulous about this because effectively we all do more than one hour extra after school every week. Never mind every week, every day um, we do it. And, and it was almost like a the only reason for doing it was the te- basically you're all used to teacher bashing. It was basically a te- the teacher bashing um, brigade really got this in in a way it was to because everyone has to everyone has to do put it to put their shoulder to the wheel and do extra work. Now teachers would do extra work and have been doing extra work for years and years and they were and they were anyway. And to basically be told now you have to do an hour a week extra was sort of in a way a bit of a we don't think you do anything, so we're going to make you do an hour a week. So everyone kind of just went, do you know what? Okay, do you remember that lovely JAA I used to do three times a week after school for three hours for free? Do you know the chess club I used to run uh, every week? Do you know the extra work I used to do when I, after school every week when I, when I hung around doing uh, some extra jobs and things like that? Do you know all those things? Well, now you can have your hour a week and that's all I'm giving you. And, um, and ultimately, I don't think we've ever recovered from it. Um, you know, really, it made the goodwill of teaching take a huge, a huge uh, kick. Um, and, you know, I, I think um, with the pandemic, Croke Park hours became a lot more flexible. It was very hard to do much with Croke Park hours. So they were almost tokenistic in some ways. Um, you know, while, while people did them in a different way um, and, and were quite flexible. And to be honest with you, do we need them anymore? You know, we're, we're, is, have, have we had a, you know, they're mean, they were meaningless in the first place. Um, and ultimately, 
you know, is there any point to them? Is there really any point to them? We need to look at them anyway again and sort of go, you know, uh, let's just leave these. Let's just, just, let's just get rid of them. There's no point to them. That, that'd be my opinion anyway. I'm, I'm not sure if you'd agree or not, but that certainly would be my, uh, my opinion on the matter uh, for what it's worth. Um, let's go on to the next one, which is um, no, f- uh, no face-to-face parent-teacher meetings. So this is very interesting to me, um, not having face-to-face parent-teacher meetings. We couldn't um, for the last little while. Um, I think last year and the year before, last year if you had your parent-teacher meeting, you probably did get them, but this year you couldn't do them because we couldn't bring parents into the building. So most parent-teacher meetings happen by phone or by um, Zoom uh, or um, by appointment, by, uh, by email. There might be a, a short report sent home or whatever it might be. And... I don't know. I mean, I don't see the point of parent-teacher meetings, to be perfectly honest. Um, now, I, 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 I grant you there's a couple of things. Um, parent-teacher meetings, right? Let's, let's look at what they are, okay? What, they, what their idea behind them is, is that parents come in to meet a teacher once a year to tell them how they're getting on. Now, before the internet, that was probably needed because in order to get in touch with a parent, uh, it wasn't as easy. Um, I mean, yeah, you had a phone, but you probably didn't even have, let's even say before the internet, before the internet, there were no mobile phones. So again, getting in touch with parents was quite difficult. So we're talking maybe 30 years ago, parent-teacher meetings actually had a use because you had to make appointments to, to do things. Before, I mean, if you remember, if you're old enough to remember meeting your friends when you were young, and you'd say, okay, and let's say you're from Dublin because uh, that's where I was when I was young. And I'd arrange to meet, let's say, my friends at half seven outside, uh, uh, half seven in town. And it would always be under the Cleary's clock or outside Trinity. They were the two places you you would generally meet. Now, there was no kind of being late um, and then just text and say, look, I'm running a bit late. You had to be on time. Or if you were going to be late, you were basically, people were just waiting for you for ages. And if they, and after about... 20 minutes, half an hour, if they hadn't arrived, off the people went, and you may not know where anybody was, and you'd be running around town trying to f- go to every every pub trying to figure out where um, what's the most likely place they ended up. So, I mean, you know, this is the thing, pre-mobile phone times, parent-teacher meetings were needed because you had to be in a certain place at a certain time, and the school was the best place for that. But since the era of mobile phones, and since the era of the internet, there really isn't any need for this one time in the year to meet each other. It seems to me that it makes more sense, really, that if there's a problem, um, it might be a good idea to have a parent-teacher meeting. But if everything's going fine, then I don't really see the point of them. It doesn't make much sense to me um, to have them. I mean, like, what? what's the point? Let's say, you know, okay, um... If you're, you know, apart from having a bit of an ego massage, oh, your child's doing wonderful. He's the greatest child we have, you know, and he's brilliant and he's great and he's not struggling. I, I don't know if I need to go into the school to hear that. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's lovely and everything. But, you know, if there's nothing to be said, then, you know, what's the point of them? And in, in fairness with these parent-teacher meetings, they are laid out in such a way that it's like, here are the things they're good at and blah, 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 and here's some things to work at. And sometimes there's a child who's doing all right. And they don't really need to do anything. And what ends up happening is, I'll oh, just make sure to keep reading with them every night. Do you know what I mean? I, I kind of think parent-teacher meetings are an outdated model. And I'd probably scrap them uh, completely. 
and uh, replace them with, um, you know, if they're needed, then you might make an appointment to, to see your teacher if you're worried about something. And if you're the teacher and you're worried about something, then you contact the parent and have a meeting. But I don't see the point in this, you know, this, it just seems a bit outdated to me and a model that isn't really necessary now that we all have better access to each other, especially now that we have um, email addresses for teachers and so on. I mean, you don't go to the, I mean, some people do maybe, I don't know. I mean, every every year you might go for a health tech check to your doctor, maybe, but most people just go to the doctor when they're sick, you know? They don't go to the doctor, you know, when they're feeling well, uh, for example. Um, you know, hi, I'm just here for my doctor's appointment. Uh, all right, okay, okay. And, and how are you getting on? Grand, how, how, how do you think I'm getting on? Well, um, have you got any symptoms of anything? No, 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 I'm grand. Right. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. It just it just seems to me a bit outdated. Now, other people would disagree with me on that, and that's fair enough. Um, but I, I, I don't really see the point of parent-teacher meetings anyway, anymore. Um, but um, I suppose, I, I don't think it's, again, it's, like the school bags, it's not something I'd be willing to fall out with someone over. I mean, I, I'm quite happy that they happen. It's like, look, you know, it is nice to go into school and hear how your kid's doing, um, for better, for worse. And, um, do you know, I think I think that's that's a reasonable one. So let's go on to another favourite subject of mine. It's all going nice and quickly here, uh, this uh, part of the episode. Gosh, I mean, I'm not, not going to go through all of them at this point. There's still quite a few to go, because especially as I move on to another uh, pet peeve of mine, and it's uh, homework. Now, as you know, if, if I were the Minister for Education, I would get rid of homework at primary level um, absolutely 100%. Um, and um, I did a full episode on why I get rid of homework. And over the years, um, there's kind of been a gathering of people who agree with me. Um, and it's not me who invented the idea of having no homework by any means or stretch of imagination. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I really thought about it was in 2011, 10 years ago, when Sean Cottrell, the uh, then CEO of the IPPN, went on a bit of a solo run in the media, uh, suggesting that uh, homework at primary level was not beneficial. And he got lynched by almost every principal in the country and he had to kind of backtrack a little bit. Now I remember him saying, and I was going, oh yeah, oh, that makes absolute sense. And ever since then, I've kind of, you know, agreed with the idea of what's the point in giving homework? And every reason under the book um, or under the sun or in the book, I don't know, as about, I'm terrible at cliches, but every reason I'd be given, there's always a reason not to give homework. And um, I've heard them all, every single reason. And they're, 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 each one is easily re- um, refutable. And uh, I'm not going to do it here because you can listen to my uh, scrap homework uh, episode. I was uh, in the Irish Times uh, just a few months ago talking about it too. Uh, and um, that was kind of fun. But um, yeah, I mean, the COVID pandemic sort of helped a little bit um, because... If you're already at home during lockdown, all of your work was at home. So in effect, there was no homework. And then we went back to school because of the whole concept of we thought there were droplets of virus all over the school books and everything else. We wanted to stop sending stuff home. So again, homework was not sent home. Um, And do you know what? Everyone kind of liked it. Everyone kind of liked it a lot. And when we all went back to school in March and we realised uh, that the virus wasn't loads of droplets after all, it kind of became safe again 
to, to send homework home. And a lot of people kind of thought, why would I bother? This, there's actually no point in, in, in homework. Nobody suffered as a result of not getting homework. And when it came down to it, a lot of teachers decided they weren't going to bother. And they didn't. And a lot of parents of children who got sent homework said, do you know what? I'm not going to bother doing this homework. And all of a sudden, because of COVID-19, we have this weirdish, this kind of strange situation where it's not 50-50 anymore. It's not that divisive. I think most people, if somebody said tomorrow, there's going to be no homework forever at primary level, I don't think there would be people marching in the streets. Um, I don't think there'd be people marching in the streets anyway, uh, but I don't think there'd be people giving out that much because homework, I mean, traditional homework certainly is very outdated. We certainly need to now and certainly set the uh, imagination going of reimagining what homework looks like. People got a flavour of sending work uh, via Seesaw or uh, Google Classroom and they saw that there's a very different, um, there's a different, different way of doing things when you give your homework or you give any work to do at home using these technological tools and you know that you can give um, a certain amount of work you can individualize a work depending on the child's needs and you can make things very optional and um, I mean you can do that anyway but the idea of everybody doing the same work every night from school books is a model that's it's a model that's gone I think it needs to it needs to just go I mean, we had the embarrassing, two embarrassing situations during the COVID lockdown. I don't know if you remember. Uh, one was uh, Norma Foley, um, was it giving us giving a no homework certificate to all the children in Ireland to some, was it uh, on RTE? Was it? I think it was RTE. Um, I could be wrong on that. Um, this no homework day, oh, it was so ill-judged. Everyone went to towner, but I was so happy when I saw it, really, to be honest with you, because... Even last year or the year before last, even five years ago, if Norma Foley had done that, you know, people would have been going, oh, isn't she gas and great crack and isn't she brilliant? And that's great. All the kids of Ireland are not getting a day off homework because most people were quite in tune with the idea of having homework. And um, but she was she was told she was out of touch. Um, sure. Why would you be given homework anyway? Um, and so on. It was really interesting. I think that was on World Teachers Day, was it? I, I can't remember. Which, or, oh, no, it wasn't. I can't remember what it was. But uh, it didn't go down well. And that was really interesting. And I, I think uh, RTE um, kind of were a bit surprised themselves. Um, because homework is really no longer, you know, a bad thing. I mean, it never was. I mean, it shouldn't have ever been a bad thing. But it was always seen as a bad thing. And that's a different attitude we have to take. Homework shouldn't be used as a punishment or as a bad thing. I mean, it turns... Why would you turn children off or punish them for uh, doing schoolwork? Uh, the other time, I think, uh, Michal Martin was um, being... What did he do? Oh, it was for a summer camp or something like that. And again, he said, no homework day for everyone. Uh, I think it was for some sort of COVID camp of some sort. And again... It just didn't go down well. It just didn't go down well. And I mean, I'm delighted to see that. It looks like the tables are turning. And I would love it if COVID did anything. Um, it might have scrapped homework forever or certainly changed it to something that, uh, to away from traditional homework. So um, if COVID did nothing else, I think that would be something I think that would be um, would be well worth, um, you know, keeping going. And, and speaking of which, um, 
the idea of actually not sending homework journals, I think we may have seen COVID may have um, also signed the death note or uh, the death nail or nailed, the, nailed something into the coffin. Yes, the homework journal. The homework journal um, may be consigned to history because of how we started giving work out to children during the pandemic. And gone was the homework journal and in came Google Classroom and Seesaw and uh, Class Dojo and all the rest of them. And this is how uh, schools began to communicate their, um, the work they'd like the children to do during lockdown. And when we came back, it became the place where homework might have been given. And it's really, really interesting to see that shift from, um, from a homework journal uh, to uh, digital technology. But... Um, and a lot of people said they'd like to keep that after COVID-19. My school um, were, I suppose, in the fortunate situation that we dumped homework journals five years ago, four years before COVID-19. So I've spent a lot of time looking at how we gave homework anyway, and this is how we've been giving any homework that we were giving via these digital tools. So um, the, as the rest of the country were kind of catching up on that, uh, I think um, it's been seen as being a very wise idea. And um, I'm very glad that again, uh, it, was a, it was a good decision on our part. But some people, and quite rightly, um, have seen the disadvantages of uh, the, um, the, the homework journal being replaced by Google Classroom. And it's the idea of notifications. So when a child hands up a piece of work and you have Google Classroom on your phone, you'll get a notification that the work has come in unless you turn off notifications completely. And sometimes it's handy to have the notifications and sometimes it's not. And um, I suppose what I'd be proposing is that, is that um, we would um, basically come up with a system where you would have, uh, where Google Classroom might only display notifications between a certain time and a certain time uh, to make it uh, manageable. Because I, I don't think it's right the notifications uh, come on, on teachers' phones, um, you know, after a certain amount of time and they've switched off. We have to get that work, um, work-life work balance and that's uh, obviously really, really important. So um, absolutely throw away the homework journals. I mean, the great thing about homework journals, again, being thrown out is uh, the child with, <laughs> with the not the greatest handwriting, um, like their poor uh, mammies and daddies and anyone else at home with them would have been spent more time on the phone to other mammies and daddies saying, could you tell us what the homework was? Jeez, poor old Johnny can't write for it, for it at all, at all, at all. So when it's on a Google Classroom um, or on Seesaw, uh, at least it's legible too, um, if nothing else. So, um, do you know, I think we, with the balance of setting limits on when uh, messages are responded to and all that kind of stuff is very important. The other good idea with Google Classroom and, and, and Seesaw and all those kind of things is, apart from homework, it's a good way of uh, being able to stay in contact and communications. You can send notes home again, how many school bags had piles of notes uh, fermenting with the rotten apples and rotten bananas in the bottom of school bags and um, and, and, and the child uh, not getting the note home at all and all the various confusions around that. So being able to send notes in inverted commas home via Google Classroom is a, is a very handy thing as well. So be, basically being able to stay in touch is very useful. So there we go. That's, a, that's quite a few of our um, post-COVID world um, ideas uh, gone through. Um, I have another, I'd say I'll get the rest of them done in the next uh, episode, unless there's something very controversial. But um, we um, we got through it uh, in about half an hour. Um, 
We'll do uh, part five next in a couple of days' time. I hope you enjoyed part four. Thanks so much for listening and goodbye.